Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 251 for September 8th, 2023. Tonight we're going to be discussing how the AI fake Drake and Weekend is not eligible for a Grammy, Packy pulls the one-chip challenge, the mystery valve gadget, slashing carbon emissions, the site formerly known as Twitter is unfit for banking, only up goes down, from 1 to 5 in 24 hours, Caffeinated Gamer Ramen, 1,000-year-old mummy on top of a pyramid, BMW customers not so hot for subscription heating, emergencies are expensive, and cryptic alien messages. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's going to come barging in here at any given moment to just introduce themselves and say hello. Hello. Good evening, hometown citizens. See, I called it. It's almost like I know how I'm supposed to do the intro. But I didn't. So I was going to commiserate about the day today. Stormy weather, people kind of slowly meandering across the street, people driving like maniacs outside of Omtown. Because sometimes I have to materialize out of Omtown, which is just an online in the wires kind of community or just a bunch of electrons. The program, right? We're part of a simulation. But um, sometimes uh, Marwat has to go out into the real world. And um, yeah, I, I had people try and kill me with their car. Um, I had one person run across four lanes of traffic with a backpack um, and zero care about uh, two-ton vehicles driving towards them. Um, watched that one from afar. Somebody ran a red light, fully red light. And if they would have hesitated a little bit longer, um, they would have been T-boned at an intersection. This is why it's safe. You are home in (laughs) hometown.com. Just start ordering stuff to be delivered to your door and hang out. (laughs) I would love to spend more time just streaming, talking about the news. So come and hang out. Every day, 9 p.m. Eastern, here in Omtown, twitch.tv slash Omtown. It's also a podcast. It's also a YouTube channel. Go and check it out. Like it. All of that kind of stuff. All that in mind, got a lot to go over. 12 whole articles. I'm going to charge into this. Come in like a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. Okay. That's right. I'm barely dressed. And I'll be swinging from that side over there through to the other side. Wouldn't y'all be really surprised if I actually did that, though? Right? In some of the channels that I always hang out in, I always tease people that I'm... Whenever uh, yeah. I'm watching, I... I think that AI would be surprised, too. I, I wear nothing but a gold thong. I don't for the stream, just so you know. Those who are listening to this via the podcast, don't be afraid to go and watch the videos. <laughs> All right, let's go. First article is over in Technology Today AI generated fake Drake and The Weeknd. Um, that track is not eligible for a Grammy. 
Recording Academy CEO Harvey Mason Jr. had me at the beginning there, thought this was going to be a completely different article, um, is setting the record straight after Variety reported la- um, earlier this week that the AI-generated track echoing the voices of Drake in The weekend would be considered for a Grammy Award. I don't know how anybody would have possibly thought that it could have possibly, even remotely, been up for a no. Grammy, but... Anyway, Mason is insisting that is not the, the case. The track, Heart on My Sleeve, was created and submitted for consideration by someone using the pseudonym Ghostwriter. The song features lyrics written by Ghostwriter, but imitates the voices of the rappers without consent. I can imagine even with consent, the Academy would have a problem. Right, still have the same problem. Yeah. It's not created by a human. Might be trained by human voices, but it's not a human. And what's really interesting about this, though, is now we can, uh, except for the fact that you have copy degradation or the AI equivalent of it, you can make fake voices. Like, it's it's really, really easy. Like, really, really easy. You want to know how easy? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's this easy. So, all I have to do is yeah. mash a couple no buttons. What. Yeah. Hey. I'm Marijuana Benjamin Button. But all you have to do, do is, is hit, hit a few, few buttons. buttons. And this was impromptu. So I could have done this a whole lot smoother. But I can synthesize any voice and make an AI voice. I don't necessarily need permission. Just because these voices sound like Drake in the weekend, they're not Drake in the weekend. They just sound like Drake in the weekend. You know what else sounds like Drake and the weekend? Probably a couple Maybe hundred Drake thousand other people. Huh? What? I said Drake in the weekend. <laughs> yeah, but there's probably a hundred thousand other people that sound really damn close to Drake in the weekend. Just like there's somebody else out there that sounds like you and me and everybody else. Our voices aren't so unique that they can't come eerily close. The voice as a unique identifier can be, it isn't like a fingerprint, which is much harder to clone. It isn't as easy to modify or get close to an iris scan, but a voice is just a series of phonemes. I can synthesize that. And all you have to do in here, I'll, I'll, I'm not trying to toot my own horn when I say this. <clears throat> I had a great singing voice, but I ended up damaging my vocal cords. Um, and so my voice is not my original voice as it is today, prior to an incident in my past. So I, I hurt my throat. Um, and, uh, now I sound different, but I sound like somebody else out there. There are other people that sound just like this. So making something, if he, if this person, if ghostwriter hadn't, 
labeled it directly to Drake or The Weeknd. Could have called it not Drake and not The Weeknd. And if that is the argument that it was used without their permission, guess what? It's not Drake and not The Weeknd. It's somebody that sounds really close to them. You know, the gorillas. You don't know who the artists are if it wasn't for the fact that they disclose them sometimes. It's found out somehow that the gorillas uses... Because I, I don't know if everybody knows this. They should have by now. I was working on a project that was similar to the gorillas. Had no idea that the gorillas was coming into existence. And I was trying to create um, music that was... Uh, from musicians, but nobody knew who the musicians were, and it was bound within like an overarching umbrella. AKA, it every would time be... you, somebody says umbrella, I think of Rihanna. <laughs> Ella, Ella, Ella. Hey, hey, hey. Um, and whenever somebody says something like that, I say all your stuff is in a box to the left, which is somebody else. But um, anyway, so. I, I, I'm not too hip to this. I love the idea of content ger generated by AI as long as it doesn't lay claim <laughs> to being from somebody else and that it is very forward in announcing that it's generated by AI. You know, I would love to have an art program, an art contest that's bound entirely by AI generated art, music generated by AI musicians, etc. Um, well, there's a lot of people that really don't appreciate that idea, but I think that it's a tool just like, uh, record various types of recording devices, synthesizers, keyboards, you know, um, different kinds of guitars, all kinds of stuff exists <coughs> to amplify the capabilities of an artist. But who is to say that an artist is the one that has to sing directly? Um, yeah, not me. I think I should be able to use the tools. So, and it's up to me as the artist using those tools to create something that I think is worthy of praise and is considered art and not the industry per se. You know, there's a lot of what I would... Uh, music and art and ever, well, music as art and art as art and everything as art is in the eye of the beholder. But we don't like that phrase when it comes to AI. So at any rate, um, I'm going to, uh, um, let me just talk about this article a little bit more then. So it says, however, it seems things have changed in recent uh, Instagram post. First spotted by Deadline, Mason offered some clarity. The CEO made it clear that the song is not eligible for Grammy consideration. Quote, let me be extra, extra clear. Even though it was written by a human creator, the vocals were not legally obtained. The vocals were not cleared by the label or the artist, and the song is not commercially available, and because of that, it's not eligible. Again, phonemes are not something that can be protected, particularly if they're completely generated by an AI. This creator made the fatal mistake of saying that it was The Weeknd and Drake. If they would have just right, labeled just it their own. if they said it was whatever, then it would have been fine. 
Yep. Hello, Possum. How are you? Um, let's see here. Music competition bound to music generated by AI. In that case, are the AIs the artists or the instruments? AI is always the instrument. AI cannot do anything without its creator giving it an instruction to do X, Y, and Z, whatever it might be. Even if it is continuously creating content randomly based on whatever its design was, it was created and its instant was run by a human. It is a tool and nothing more than that. It isn't a creator. It isn't a maker. It has no, no bearing on its output because it was framed entirely by a human programming it. But remember somebody uh, created something where they call it the creative machine. I mean, I think people yep. are angling for it to be a creator. But it's a creator in label, but not the fact that the right. a, a hammer is not the builder of a house. The wielder of the hammer is, and thus it is a tool and cannot be called, you know, by extension, the hammer is the creator of a, every structure that's ever been created with a nail. So, but no, that's not how it is. We, the artist, the artisan that made the house, that's the one that created it. That's the one that should get credit for it. But it has to be abundantly clear that X, Y, and Z, whatever it might be, was created by AI in partnership with a human being. Um, so yeah, I don't like the idea of this, this, it should have been pretty much nixed right in the bud. You cannot create something that is Drake or the weekend because it isn't from directly Drake or the weekend. It wasn't endorsed by them saying that it is them is fraud. You're you're literally stealing the goodwill of Drake and, and the weekend and the millions or hundreds of millions of dollars of marketing and, and production that has gone under their name. Um, so I have a real problem with AI generated stuff that says that it is X, Y, and Z. Make it your own, embrace the tool, but make it your own. The only reason why anybody cares about it is because they said that it sounds that it is Drake and the weekend, a fake Drake and fake weekend. You know, if this person created it and it was brilliant and never named the artist and said that it was AI, people may still love it and may still say, wow, this sounds really a lot like Drake and the weekend. And that, the ghostwriter would have to sit there and say, it is not Drake or the weekend. I didn't intend it to be Drake or the weekend. It just sounds eerily similar to Drake and the weekend, but I am telling you vociferously it is not. So the articles over at, uh, Engadget by Stephanie Barnes. Um, and that's really what this whole article is. It's talking about the fact that Mason from the Academy says that this AI track is not going to be available for a Grammy. And I have zero problem with that. Everybody shouldn't have a problem with it. 
what everybody should be having a problem. And this is where I do kind of step in, lean into the idea that this is how everybody should be thinking about this because I'm actually promoting a mindset about AI. Treat it as a tool. When it's being used for fraudulent purposes, call it out and, and make sure that the world knows that this is a fraudulent piece of work that's angling to try and steal clout from the artist that it sounds like or looks like. But it's only because they labeled it as that. They labeled it as Drake in the weekend. And it also brings me to the point that I said earlier, just because you sound like Drake and The Weeknd, you could be a wonderful artist, but you're in obscurity because the right recipe for discovery wasn't made, right? And that's where this AI track would have ended up, in obscurity. But because they threw it Right, under they hyped the, um, it up, right? They hyped like, it as Drake in the weekend. The weekend. <laughs> yep. In fact, they didn't disclose that it was AI until people started saying, this is Drake in the weekend's new track. Oh, look at the fine print. It says that it was AI. Yeah, there's so many absolutely stunningly talented people out there that are in obscurity that didn't quite latch on to the right opportunity. Right. Their kid was sick that day, so they weren't at the mall. I know mall. I'm dating myself. They weren't on uh, TikTok. You know, they weren't on Twitch. They weren't uh, doing their OnlyFans. Anyway. <laughs> got it. So let's go on. We've got a whole bunch of articles still ahead of us. And uh, Possum, welcome again. So this next article is over in Hometown Daily. Packy pulls the one chip challenge from shelves. Uh, Packy is the Austin, Texas-based chip company famous for its viral one chip challenge product. Um, it says it's working on it with retailers to pull the tortilla chip from shelves. I see it. I've never done it. I didn't look into why this is happening. Mason Lieb over at abcnews.go.com from Good Morning America um, wrote this article. And it says the decision to remove the chip comes after a 14-year-old died in Massachusetts on September 1st, uh, which his family believes is related to the Packy One Chip Challenge. I did not know that that was coming. Um, let's see. Sensitive to spicy foods or who have food allergies, is pregnant or is, uh, has underlying conditions, shouldn't be doing the chip. Uh, challenge so apparently there were, might have been something that um, directly because of the chip led to this person's demise it's under investigation i guess we'll end up um, talking about it briefly as this comes to um, fruition whatever the outcome is we'll end up talking about it um but yeah, unfortunately, if you don't know what your limits are, I wouldn't challenge them at such a from like zero to 60. This seems like it. It was I dare you to eat the hottest damn chip that you can find. And um, right. And we don't know how many were eaten. And there could have been an allergy, too. It may not have just been the, the spiciness. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it says, you know, that they 
had an allergy, but... Well, they um, may not know yet. Yeah, there are people out there that are allergic to um, a synthetic red that could come from materials that might be in this. Um, and unless it says, it breaks it out, that there is an artificial red color or one derived from said artificial red color. Um, you know, it's, it could be as simple as that, or there was something else in this um, that led to their uh, death. It, it sucks. Well, and I don't, you know, I think there's a problem where we have these things like a, a food challenge or uh, all of these challenges, like some of them are well-intentioned, you know, they raise money for charity, Ice not this one specifically, right? Yeah. That one was probably not real harmful, but a lot of them are, and people do them without really realizing the consequences, like kids or teenagers. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, I mean, you know, because children are across the board, naturally the wisest of our species, right? Um, so we'll In have to... In some ways, but not generally. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see if um, Packy... You know, even comes close to recovering from this because it's this one incident um, could be the, the worst possible outcome for them. I just don't, I don't think that um, people should be taking this on lightly. Um, well, this also raises another question. I mean, as to how uh, the stores probably, there aren't any restrictions, but a product like this, even if it's only marketed to adults, a kid might have gone into a store and bought this, which, I mean, it almost seems, this sounds kind of ridiculous, but it almost seems like it should be regulated like cigarettes or something. Yeah, I'm I would hate to a set little a little over the board, but yeah. I would hate to set a precedent like that for things that are spicy. I mean, there's there are some stores that are locking up stuff behind secure cabinetry um, because there are bad actors out there. This could have been an innocuous purchase, but you know, it, it's literally a chip inside a coffin. Um, right. But part of the problem is I think that would have even more appeal because it probably sure. looks cool. Yeah. But it's to an adult, it's probably fairly well advertised that, Hey, this is not going to be a light experience. Right. Yeah, it, unfortunately, this is something that's born from, um, I don't know, the idea that you're an unstoppable force and something as simple as a food allergy could end you. So unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. So we'll follow up if need be. Let's keep going. Next article is over in the Omtown Daily channel. Valve's next mystery gadget may be imminent. I'm hoping that it is what is being suggested here. We know for a fact that Valve's hardware ambitions didn't end with the Steam Deck. Over the past two years, Valve has suggested it would like to see a standalone VR headset, a new Steam controller, and a Steam Deck revision with better battery life and screen, and maybe moving the damn port and the cable to a place that actually makes sense for usability. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, just That's been look. on a previous episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, a, a few. And then I just got burned out with, you know, crying into my hands that how in the world did an industrial designer do that? Maybe they'll have it on the link. 
So Valve may uh, actually be getting ready to ship at least one of its hardware ideas. A low power wireless device from Valve with the designation RCV1V1030. So let's go over to the source. Oh, before I do that, I am determined to keep posting those, the links to hometown. Anyway, uh, Sean Hollister is the author. The deck statement is what I said. Um, RC uh, V1V1030 just passed radio certification for in South Korea. They have a picture of the uh, Steam Deck, but I'm hoping that it's not a Steam Deck. I'm hoping that it, and I'm not quite sure what they mean by, it says low power. I need to know more. See, I have, I have had several VR headsets over the years, um, dating all the way back when it was little mini CRTs <laughs> and an umbilical bolted to a cable uh, onto the ceiling. Um, and uh, now we're at the point where we just have what amounts to a little bit thicker glasses, if you look at uh, the beyond big screen. Um, and uh, I have the, the um, Pico 4 sitting over here that are that keep looking at me saying you need to play more vr but what i really want is a wireless cable free index so i'm hoping that's what it is but i don't know um it says here uh, south korea certification tells us basically nothing about the device save that it uses five gigahertz wi-fi which most computers already have at this point um it could be pretty much anything i mean watches um tablets cell phones obviously even the pico 4 and other uh, vr headsets so this could literally be anything um and knowing that this is so nebulous i kind of i should have just shied away from it because i don't really like talking about rumor this much uh, but one of the articles paragraph says, while Larabelle initially suggests that it might be a Steam Deck refresh reference board, Valve's Greg Coomer told the author in 2021 that Steam Deck's existing APU might make sense for a standalone VR headset. A new Steam controller gamepad wouldn't have an entire Steam Deck chip inside, though. So that seems less likely. I don't know about that. Um they could be working on something that is tertiary for the controller, but the VR headset is using this radio. Um, so a standalone VR headset code named Deckard um, was at least being prototyped inside Valve. Sources confirmed to YouTuber Brad Lynch and Ars Technica back in 2021. And there's been some patent images made um, last June. So maybe it is, maybe it isn't. What do you think it's going to be? I would love for Valve to step back into the ring with a cable-free, um, an umbilical-free uh, VR headset that rivals the resolution and capabilities of the wired technologies. Like um, there's a thing called Big Screen Beyond, which is a custom-made um, VR headset interface is the primary thing. So you actually measure the, the uh, topography of your face, your eyes, 
you send that in and they make a custom mold that fits perfectly to you. So it removes the bulkiness uh, in exchange for this custom made interface. So it blocks out all the light. It forms perfectly on you. So it doesn't need the, this big gasket. So you don't need the bulk except for all of the little electronics. But we know that micronization in electronics continues. You know, we're on the, we're on the verge of like quantum entanglement between um, the the runs of electrons down circuit boards you know they're getting so close that it's starting to mess with each other so the the traces are getting so thin so small that it, maybe something could be so small that it's basically my glasses you put them on fits perfectly you're operational I love the idea of that. I don't know if this is it. Plus, now's the time when it's everything is really, really expensive. So I have a hard time believing that they're going to drop out a $1,000 VR headset in this day and age. This thing's going to land, you know, $1,500 minimum. But at least it won't be $3,500. Yeah, well, you know, the and Apple... Hopefully it won't look like swim goggles. <laughs> I don't, every time I put them on, I feel like I need to go swimming. I, I'm not sure what's going on here, but apparently they're not waterproof. Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll keep you informed. Um, Marwat's really into tech, so uh, obviously I'll be talking about this stuff. And I would love to spend more time um, playing some VR games and stuff like that, but... Um, I, I can't during the normal business operations around Omtown. I have so many people demanding my attention um, in Omtown that I have to be mayor. That's what I am. So FaceTime matters. Okay, folks. Um, so let's keep on going. We've got a whole bunch more articles. Come on. So the next article is over in Omtown Daily. Something got munched up in this. Um, so it's, I'll fix this after the show. The popular clothing brand Everlane slashed its carbon emissions by 22% with the help of a high-tech startup. Companies all over the world are racing to do the same. Uh, this article is over at Business Insider by Erica Carnavala. Carnavali. There we go. Carnavali. Um, cool name. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, startups such as Watershed and Carbon Analytics create tech uh, platforms that collect emissions data. Businesses can then gauge their carbon footprint and find ways to reduce it. Uh, the article was originally part of Build It, a series, or Build IT, a series about digital tech and innovation trends that are disrupting industries. Um, in 2021... Yeah, intentionally nebulous about the IT and the IT. Yeah. It sounds like it's a startup kind of cutting edge. Um, what how what was the phrase that they use? Disrupting industries. Yeah, that's kind of uh, the startup community mantra. Disrupt. So uh, when leadership at the retailer Everlane wanted to make the company more eco-conscious, they set their sights on a tech-driven solution. In 2021, the clothing brand teamed up with carbon accounting uh, startup Watershed 
to track carbon emissions, mostly from Everlane's supply chain using data collection. The partnership was helped or has helped Everlane minimize their air freight and transition uh, some of its production from uh, raw materials to recycled alternatives, including cashmere. Cashmere. Uh, the company has also reduced its product emissions by 22%, notable progress towards its goal of curtailing 55% of its product emissions by 2030. Not bad. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. And so getting that telemetry is pretty fundamental to any business operations successful outcome. If they have a return on their investment and the return is 55% reduction, then you have to know where you actually stand. So I'm not surprised that there's somebody that fills this niche. Um, there's lead certifications for um, efforts by organizations that have, you know, retail and capital improvement efforts underway development. So you can do lead certification um, and, and organizations like Ever, Everlane use watershed. Um, but lead certification helps you green your entire business and, and all of your subsidiaries, the, the actual operations. Um, the supply chain side of things is a little bit harder to pin in by certifications like lead because that's not bound by that. Um, but once you know where everything is, now you have to look for options about how do I get out of these that are not eco-friendly and go find something that is. There is... Probably, I wonder if they actually talk about this. It says you're not just eliminating global averages or on some type of monetary spend data that in the end may not be representative of your true impacts. Um, it's pretty much what I said. Um, but what's interesting about this is you're going to get as a, a, a leader in your business a lot of downward pressure to stay with somebody because... When you tell your supplier, hey, we're going to leave to find a more eco-friendly solution, the offsetting factor is going to be the profit margin that that supplier has. So if they have enough room to keep you but lower the price, you're going to be really like, you're going to have an ethical issue here. Like, do I want to increase my margin so that I can pay more? to my employees or save my business or whatever, extend my runway, all kinds of stuff. Or do I truly want to stick to my guns and save the ecosystem? Well, and isn't that, I mean, one of the, the continuing struggles, like there's things that companies or people running the companies may want to do, but then obviously everything comes at a cost. Yep. Hello, crazy cat lady. Welcome to the show. Yeah, that, and, and that's really it. Um, Maria Fujihara, the founder and CEO of the decarbonization carbonization, sorry, software provider, uh, Sinai Technologies, which I've heard of. I'm trying to remember when I first heard of this company. Um, I might be m mixing it with another company, but anyway, said companies are keen to understand the cost of their sustainability goals. The startup works with high pollution sectors such as mining, agriculture, and manufacturing, helping them calculate internal carbon pricing by connecting companies' costs, spending, and savings with their decarbonization uh, scenarios and recommending mitigation measures. It's usually 
that must be why, because they're tied to bear and semens. Um, so like I said at the beginning of this, first you have to know where you are. And most companies have no idea what their carbon footprint is. Just zero. Um, let alone that there's something that even their capital situation right now, as in their, their building that they're working in, what that carbon footprint is, it's usually, at least in the startup world, the least of the concerns unless they start out of the gate as being an eco-friendly enterprise. Most people are just trying to survive. Um, so very interesting uh, article, at least to me. Investment by venture capital firms in carbon accounting startups surged from 60 million in 2020 to 767 million in 2022. So <laughs> a 10 times increase in just two years, according to PitchBook. I mean, uh, the that's trend pretty exciting times, right? Yep. Um, and it's interesting because these are expensive times. So I wonder what is going to happen with this. Uh, it might, it says here that the trend hasn't slowed down and 330 million has been invested so far this year, but we're nine months into the year and we're at less than half of the 767 and prices are increasing supply side prices are increasing so we'll see um, if it keeps on uh, going there's still a lot of money and a lot of people are being made very wealthy so um, it's all of the other people that have to work for a living that are not so we'll see um, we'll keep talking about this kind of stuff and again if you are interested in this um, follow the link crazy cat lady says um, Good evening, and uh, just got home from another successful fair. Another 19 ribbons. Wow. Wow. Just a juggernaut. Arts and crafts, six. Six second, one third, and entered six rabbits, and all six won first place, one being best pet. That is amazing. <laughs> My God. Well, good on I you. Know. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with these bunnies, but... I guess the genetics are real. They're all the best. And I think that's a awesome title. Best pet. <laughs> I do too. Okay. Let's keep on going. We got a bunch more articles. I feel like I'm actually um, kind of soapboxing a lot. So this next article is over in the word in law. This one will actually be pretty quick, I think. Um, so X has been labeled in unfit. Uh, for banking because of complicity in Saudi spying, lawyers argue just two weeks after Elon Musk took over uh, Twitter in uh, fall of 2022, he told employees that his big plan was to save the social media platform from bankruptcy uh, by basically turning it into a bank and an all-in-one app. I'm summarizing this uh, snippet. But it says now as X continues filing for money transmitting licenses in pursuit of turning X into an everything app, a one-stop destination where users bank, shop, communicate, basically everything. Um, there are people that are saying that it's no go. Uh, but he's got quite a few um, as far as I know. Well, in the grand scheme of things, you would have to get all 50 states to allow you to do, well, not all 50 states have to allow you to do banking for you to start doing banking 
you just can't accept it in some states. So he's got something like 10 out of 50. I mean, that's not a very high ratio. Well, what's really interesting about this is that I don't know how fast this process normally happens. Um, it used to not exist. Let me just say that. Um, but, you know, it, in the grand scheme of things, are they not buying into the fact that he was tied to PayPal? Does that really just not have enough gravitas that his well, name? Well, we don't tied... know. That could be an, you mean the States or you mean? Yeah, the States. Oh, I thought you meant as related to, to this argument because I was going to say there could be other objections, but. But he's only I mean, got. Do states necessarily care if they have a pro um, private business stance. Yeah, the, this is what that's what I, I don't know what is actually happening. It says uh, now as X continues filing for money transmitting licenses in pursuit of turning X into an everything app, one stop destination where they do all of everything. Um, it's similar to WhatsApp in China. Um, in an open letter reviewed by ours, lawyers at Walden, Mocked, and Heron, LLP, who are representing a Saudi family suing Twitter slash X, um, warned both attorneys general and banking commissioners across 50 states that Musk's company should be considered unfit for, to hold banking licenses. They allege that X is unfit for banking due to its alleged treatment of users' personal data and intentional complicity in human rights violations. These grievances, the Guardian reported, also call into question whether X can be trusted to abide by federal and state laws protecting consumer data and records. I would lean into the no category. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb based on what we've seen publicly stated. <laughs> yeah, because there was a lot of talk that basically the um, Saudi Arabian government requested information from Twitter slash X post like when... Um, Musk had taken like it a over. Journalist was killed. Um, well, incidents plural occurred. So, and I'm not sure what the full scope is off the top of my head. It's been a little while. Um, that particular lawsuit against Twitter was initially filed in May, alleging that the former Twitter employees who were charged in 2019 with conspiring with the Saudi regime to silence more than 6,000 dissidents violated Twitter's terms of service by unmasking anonymous Twitter accounts. This is why you now have to, if you want a verified account, the only way to do it is actually to link your banking information to it by buying <laughs> um, the, the authentication. Um, you cannot, if you want to be a, a, a verified user, you have to strip away your um, anonymity. I, I don't like the idea I would rather let a regular human being verify me in some way and, and not have an account tied to, and it's not that I have something to hide. I really don't, but I value my privacy and I want, if I want to, I want to be able to criticize and not have to worry that there's going to be some government that's so pissed off at me that they're going to try and delete me. Um, and depending on, who it is you piss off that's exactly what happens and if your account is directly tied to something there's almost a straight line to you 
Um, so no, I, I will never go back to, as long as he's in control, I will never go back to uh, Twitter slash the site formerly known as Twitter. Um, and it isn't just about the, the one, um, that was a reporter, but that isn't the, where it stemmed from that, that reporter, the one that Khashoggi that everybody talks about isn't from the Twitter, um, information, but anyway, uh, I think this goes beyond this, but, um, it being unfit, I think is because it doesn't have a care in the world about individual users privacy and its whole, uh, effort is to, uh, gather up as much power and influence in terms of information about people that it is, uh, the equivalent of, um, tracking everything that you do. The creation well, of American part of the social problem credit. where you have these multiple companies under the same umbrella, right? Yeah. I mean, you've talked about this before, but he has yeah. transportation and he has communication and now potentially banking and this yeah. and that and all of those. While they're not the same company, they're run by the same person. And my understanding is that a large portion of the money that was uh, given that was used to purchase Twitter was from a Saudi Arabian family um, leadership in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know. Uh, I don't like the idea, and uh, but uh, I don't know what anybody is actually going to end up doing about this. It's he's tied to SpaceX, um, and uh, it. Literally, taxpayers created this by way of the government providing grants to to facilitate turn Elon Musk into a billionaire, um, untouchable billionaire who can sit there and say whatever he wants to say, and nobody can touch him. But he can touch a lot of people. Um, so anyway, let's keep on moving. We'll see what happens if um, the site formerly known as Twitter becomes a reality after he's bought everything that everybody else has created. So the next article is over in Technology Today. Viral indie game Only Up delisted from Steam, so it is down. The developer of Only Up, a viral indie climbing game that blew up in popularity on Twitch streams, is delisted. This is now for the second time, but this time it's voluntary. Um, the first time it was actually taken offline because of its uh, apparent use of unauthorized assets. This time he's pulling it offline because he wants peace of mind and healing because it's basically been a big pain in the butt. So the articles over at Engadget, uh, let me throw, I didn't throw this into the chat. So there you go, folks. Um, and so the, the article is over at Engadget. Will Shanklin is the author um, the deck statement is the first time developer needs peace of mind and healing as they plan a future project. So they've pulled it offline. So you can't buy it anymore. If you already own it, then you can continue to play it. Um, but it, it blew up online and, uh, I'm not sure how many were sold. I don't even know how many are playing it simultaneously. I could look it up, I suppose. Um, but the title's absurdity, uh, 
in terms of its graphics, its difficulty, um, and then the fact that it apparently it used um, NFT assets uh, kind of led to people uh, loving to hate the game and then it getting pulled offline, people getting bent out of shape about it. Um, it By the was, way, the peak was over 11,000 concurrent in July. Oh, interesting. I thought it was more than but that. But it's down to a lot less than that, obviously. Well, now it's going to be none. But Well, people will still play it because they still own it. But oh, right. it's not going to get well, purchased. Well, it's less than 400 uh, as right of now. the time of a stat I'm looking at. Yeah. It was the it was the new hotness for a while. So um, the article continues to talk about, you know, what the game is and and um, it says that it, it cost ten dollars at the time, I suppose, or it was something else. A 3D artist accused uh, SCKR games of using Sketchfab asset, a giant statue of a girl that wasn't licensed for commercial use and the game cost ten dollars only up returned in early June. Uh, with a statue of Atlas replacing the infringing one, um, the one-person SCKR games. I don't know if that should be just pronounced sucker, um, but uh, games says it'll return with a new project. Quote, I plan to take a pause and continue my education in game design and further uh, with new experience and knowledge to direct my energies to my next new or my next game with the working title Kith. So it might be a Mike Tyson game. Um, it will be a new experience and a new concept with realism, a completely different genre and setting, and the emphasis is on cinematography, the developer wrote. So maybe this time stay away from NFT and other assets without paying for them, and that will probably keep you on a better footing. So let's keep on hustling. Uh, so the next article is over in Omtown Daily. This one is all about this hurricane that's uh, apparently ramping up pretty quick. I don't know what its status is in the last 24 hours, though. Um, this I, article I is... I just checked it before the show. It's still... It's near kind of Dominican Republic area. Oh, that's lovely. Is it still a Cat 5? I believe so. Wow. Well, those warm waters are going to... And give it a whole lot of power maybe it'll stay cat five all the way we'll see hurricane lee is only one of a handful of hurricanes in the atlantic basin during uh, the satellite era to intensify by 85 miles per hour or more within 24 hours this thing stomped on the gas emily shapiro and daniel peck are the authors of this article over at abcnews.go.com um, this says here, Hurricane Lee is currently a powerful Category 4 hurricane. Um, apparently earlier it became a Cat 5. Um, Must have I'm, dropped back down. I'm sure it'll bounce around a little bit. Um, if it's sitting right on the upper edge of that Cat 4 or 5. Yeah. Just wait until it's Cat 6E. Sorry, that's that... a networking, it's a networking <laughs> that's joke. That's cabling. So. <laughs> um, so other notable storms to achieve this hurricane include uh, Hurricane Matthew in 2016 and uh, record Hurricane Wilma in 2005. In just 24 hours, Wilma increased from 75 mile per hour winds to 185. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. That's just ridiculous. 
So apparently Lee is traveling in water that is three to four degrees warmer than average. That's the, the weather or the water is three to four degrees warmer than average. And that's what we, we've been talking about this, that the water temperature is the, the main ingredient in uh, hurricanes uh, ultimate force because it's the disparity between upper atmosphere cool and lower uh, sources of heat and then they end up spiraling and then it's all chaos whichever direction this damn thing's gonna go um, hopefully it lands in some cooler waters and loses some of its force and um, if it does make landfall and doesn't just creep up the coast far off um, shore um, it'll land at much something much lower you know maybe it'll just dissipate into a tropical storm and we'll just get needed water um, otherwise it's going to be a nightmare with cat five winds so pretty brutal um, they say that uh, long-range models can change over the next week but they currently show lee moving parallel to the eastern united states coastline and if lee stays on track the east coast would be hit with uh, rough surf and life-threatening rip currents throughout the upcoming week so everybody learn to swim and pay attention to the surf let's keep going unless you want to say anything Did you find anything else that you wanted to add i just it seems like we're of course seeing more of these um I mean, we know it's hurricane season, so obviously there are going to be a lot, but I feel like we see much more incidences of like Cat 5. And yep. I feel like a lot of these areas that are in the path are still um, both in the Caribbean and then kind of the Eastern seaboard. They're recovering from other hurricanes still yeah, from the previous last one... seasons. Well, the last one was just a week ago. All <laughs> so, right. I mean, Hurricane Idalia. Yep. That was not ideal, Leah. All right. The next article is over in uh, Warcrafters. <clears throat> Have you ever had the craving for neon-branded pasta, noodles, ramen? neon well the packaging is the the noodles aren't so oh i thought it was uh, maybe you're like coloring oh, or something it, it's rgb the well you know what strike that i haven't actually seen the noodles themselves the packaging is neon i've seen the packaging but that's not really the kicker here caffeinated rgb gamer noodles now exist and the author of this article is getting indigestion just thinking about them a news release reads, Nissan, Nissan Foods um, is launching a new gamer-friendly product. Gamer-friendly. If it reads Marketing. cheap, yeah, then it's gamer-friendly. But, yeah, anyway. Well, um, if it keeps you awake, it's gamer-friendly if it's for people <clears throat> that are gaming for hours at a time. Yeah. So the gamer-friendly product for the first time in its history from its flagship brands Cup Noodles and Nissan Curry Meshi. I haven't heard of that. Anyway, I don't know. The author says, I don't know if I picked up uh, friendly vibes from these things, though. They are promised to be soup free, so you don't get sticky caffeinated gamer hands all over your, your pro setup. 
So let's go over to PCGamer.com. <clears throat> Harvey Randall is the author. The deck statement is, What hath gaming kind wrought? <laughs> we asked, I would have said, we asked if we could. We didn't ask if we should. Um, yeah, the news release reads, Nissan Foods launching new gamer-friendly product. They don't have anything other than the picture. So generally well, I would speaking, like to see a picture of the actual cooked noodles. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can do that real quick. Um, do a quick search for what these noodles actually look like. The release also promised these unholy vessels are the strongest buff meshy. I don't know what that means. Meshy being a general term for a meal cooked of rice. Um, the author says, I might just be outing my occasional stomach issues here, but I cannot think of a stronger debuff than the sheer indigestion of slamming a cup of noodles dosed with caffeine at 3 a.m. But they're not a visionary food pioneer like the dark sorcerers of Nissen Foods. So what do they know? Sorry to disappoint, but it looks like the the noodles themselves are regular. Just standard. Yeah. Yeah. It's so just the packaging. They must have. And the caffeine, of course. Yeah, they must have just caffeine as part of the ingredient that they add to it. And people are going to be huffing just the spice packet. Well, it might even just be as simple as tea extract because other ramen has tea extract as one of the ingredients. Oh, right. That's right. Huh. I wonder. Yeah, that, that might actually be interesting. In case you want to betray your body and live in Japan, these things hit the market September 18th and come in two flavors, garlic with black pepper, yakisoba, and curry. They'll be available for 280 and 298 yen, respectively, which shakes out to around 2 bucks a pop, or $1.50 pounds. One which fifty is pounds. kind of expensive for ramen. However, compared to other meals, that's pretty inexpensive. And it's caffeinated, so it's probably niche. You get your coffee so and your noodles for much cheaper. It's really expensive because it's niche. You're not going to have high volume sales of this. Not like regular ramen. Not like regular cup noodles. Um, this stuff flies off the shelves, even though a lot of people say that it's not good for you because it's high in salt and other things. Not every ramen solution, by the way, is like that. You can get stuff more natural. Plus, you make uh, some ramen noodles and throw in some microgreens on top. You do your own little carbon offset. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff, folks. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Archaeologists find 1,000-year-old mummy buried at the uh, top of huge pyramid. I don't know how huge this is. It's 70 feet tall in the Peruvian capital of Lima. Huaca... How is that? Pukiana? Pukiana? I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Sorry. If you can correct me and you know how to say it phonetically Pusilana, in chat, go for maybe? it. <clears throat> Pulana, maybe? Uh, I'm not sure. It's a large clay pyramid standing more than 70 feet tall in the Peruvian capital of Lima. Um, this sounds absolutely amazing. Um, Aristos Giorgio is the author of this. I don't know. Oh, they are going to have a picture of it. 
Uh, so well, the video warn... at the top actually relates to. Does it actually? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well, prepare yourself. I'm gonna keep it muted. Um, it may show an archaeological dig, so just prepare yourself. You might see some bones. So it says a mummy thought to be around a thousand years old. Researchers discovered the mummy, which belonged to. Uh, what was it? The site? Let me let me pause it. Oh, Inca. I don't know how to pronounce that. Pusayana. Oh, why? I thought you were talking about the other name. Oh, this one here. Um, belonged to the pre-Inca Ixma culture. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, though. Wow, it's amazingly well-preserved in there. It's like a, they basically just kind of put it in a hole. Um, located in the heart of the residential area, Peruvian capital of Lima. It's inside the city itself, for crying out loud. Yeah, that's How interesting. Did... So they um, were excavating the pyramid and they found the body. It was wrapped in simple fabric of... And uh, stuffed in there. That's just fascinating. Um, the mummy that they showed, though, in the at the very end of the video, did not look like the mummy's placement here. It may have been a re-rendering of, mm -hmm. like a render of how this originally was placed, but this one actually shows that it was that the the the, uh, the mummy was actually kind of bundled up really tight and just set inside um, a grave pretty interesting that it's sitting there inside uh, the the city but um, they say finally evidence of yixma uh, occupation at huaca pusaluna or pusalana sorry i'm not sure how to pronounce it um, has been found starting from early the second millennium um, this has this was the last pre-Hispanic pre occupation of the site. So I guess they're going to continue to do research to find out who exactly this is. Ceremonial Center is what they say that this was. I wonder why they were just, I mean, maybe it's just a, a routine dig, but I mean, if this was sitting in such an accessible location, it's interesting that they just... Um, did this excavation yeah oh see yeah that video as usual there's something questionable about that video because they say that it was um a circular grave at the top of the pyramid which was located in the heart of the residential area of peruvian capital of lima it's a large clay pyramid standing 70 feet pretty neat um yeah, like I always say, the things that we don't know, it's pretty amazing. I just wish that it would be acceptable to do more of this research, uh, but sometimes it just doesn't get done for various reasons. So let's keep on going. Um, the next article is over in uh, the Four Wheel Tech channel, which is all about automotive technology. BMW's experiment with offering in-car subscriptions for hardware is probably the dumbest experiment in automotive history. Oh, wait, that's oh, not what the article here first. That's not <laughs> what the article says. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, hardware feature uh, 
sorry, let me rephrase all of that. Let me restart this. BMW's experiment uh, with offering in-car subscriptions for hardware features installed at the factory is over. Earlier this week, a BMW board member told Autocar that while it will still pursue some subscription services or features in the future, those will only be software-based services. So they're going to figure out a way so that they can uh, activate and deactivate this via a computer and they'll charge you for that service because what they were doing was charging you for heated seats even though everything was already in the car yeah that didn't make any sense to me because isn't the expense to actually maybe have the part or to install it but they already did both of those things it's the equivalent of Ticketmaster's convenience fee to print at home. Right. I'm like, how does that incur any expense? In fact, <laughs> it should be saving expenses for Ticketmaster. Yeah. The, this actually, I don't own a BMW, um, but uh, this alone would stop me from buying a BMW. <laughs> the option was never offered to U.S. customers anyway, which is kind of like saying... Um, you've never played basketball, so you can't really appreciate basketball. Uh, but I can call this out as the dumbest possible thing that someone can do um, as a car manufacturer. Jonathan M. Gitlin is the author of this article over at Ars Technica. Um, let's see. Indeed, in 2019, BMW earned a degree of consumer distrust after making Apple CarPlay a subscription-only feature for a while before backtracking. Um, we actually talked about the subscription for the heated seats at the time and said that yes, that was did. dumb. <laughs> like um, I said, you heard it here first. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see what else. Again, BMW became a better, a far better known for its practice than Tesla when in 2020, it started offering subscription for factory installed hardware features like heated seats or adaptive cruise control in markets like Korea and the UK. It's almost like a psychology experiment. If they would have done it, if they would have accepted it over there, then they would have done it over here. But I don't think America would have accepted it, but maybe not. I mean, maybe if you get a certain price point, people don't care. I don't yeah. think the average American is buying a BMW because of price, but I don't think Americans in general would look favorably on this. Well, I don't think anybody accepted it, so... Um, for example, well, I, know. I just can't speak for other countries because I don't know, but I like how they they're like, oh, oh, oh well, um, we're actually now focusing with those functions on demand on software and service related products like driving assistance and parking assistance, which you can add later after purchasing the car or for certain functions that require data transmission that cu customers are used to paying for in other areas. What? So basically, where can we charge you? Where are you going to be okay with it? We'll find a way to charge a fee over there. Right, yeah. You know, they're going to start charging for steering wheels and, and tires. and yeah. I don't mean tire replacement. I mean like an actual, actual set of tires on the car. Yeah, they're going to say if you want to make a full left-hand turn, you have to pay an extra nine ninety five. Right. Yeah. Power steering or whatever. <laughs> on-demand power steering 
<laughs> and it requires a certain waiting period. So good luck if you're in the middle of a turn. Yeah, some delay. Oh boy, the lag is real. Okay, let I we have to go. Let's just keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. An overnight locksmith can cost $400. Here's how much you might have to fork over for other emergencies. And uh, uh, what did I... I think I titled this Emergencies Are Expensive. That's the segment that we're talking about here. Um, so the article is over at CNBC. Uh, Anna Teresa Sola is the author of this. The key points that they highlight here is that it's 400 bucks depending on time for... Um, a locksmith depends on the lock service trip fees. They actually, depending on where you live, they will charge you for leaving their office, not just getting there and doing the job, but <laughs> how long it takes for them to get here. Um, 63% of employees are unable to cover a $500 emergency expense. Secure save has found. Um, so invest in a lock pick gun. It's, it's only because um, it's it can only get you in a little bit of legal trouble if you have a lockpick gun when you're pulled over and they see it in your glove box. Just a little bit of trouble, depending <laughs> right, on your state. It's kind of like, why do you have this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it says, picture this. You come home after a long day. As you approach your front door, you reach for your keys, but you don't feel them in your pocket. You quickly realize that you're locked out of your home. Luckily... On-call locksmiths are available to help unless it's 11 p.m. at night and the door accidentally, well, the door gently closes and the lock ticks over just a smidge. I don't know if I want to talk about this, but anyway, then you, then you use the old fashioned key. Anyway, however, an emergency visit like uh, this can cost up to $400 depending on your location and time, lock, type, service, trip fees, according to this old house, which that is a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. There's still episodes viewing. Um, yeah, I know. I think on HGTV or, or one of those similar channels. Yeah, because of this, I actually know about it. Um, I, I used to watch this old house now it's not so much now it's all online so anyway the average cost nationwide is 150 bucks the platform found um we could just call the lock picking lawyer they could make that a video true. and huh. they could uh pick the lock very quickly and then represent you um when the police come um so uh, they let's might see. come if even if you're trying to get into your own house. That's right. Uh, and honestly, they should come if somebody uses the <laughs> right, old fashioned, right. the old fashioned lock pick. <sighs> anyway, due to the lack of emergency savings, people are more likely to finance an unforeseen expense on credit cards or dip into retirement savings accounts <sighs> just to get into their house. For crying out loud, that seems so wrong. Well, not everybody has extra money sitting around. Yeah, nobody has extra money. So the article actually goes into greater detail about other things. So like car trouble. I always say it's either it's $2,000. That's like what yes. the cost of it everything is. It doesn't matter is. what the issue is. It's always that price. I was describing to someone um, earlier this week 
the fact that let, let's say you have a car and the air conditioning goes out. Well, to replace the air conditioner, the, the let's say um, the condensate, there's a box behind the dashboard condensation um, or something like that. I can't remember its name right now. Condenser. But anyway. Huh? Sorry? Condenser. Condenser. So that's only a $150 part, but you have to pay a total price of $2,000 for the labor to install it, right? But then the other flip side of that is the turbo goes out on your car, and so you have to pay $1,800 for the part and $200 for the labor. But regardless, you are going to be shelling out $2,000. Oh, you need brakes uh, on all four tires? There's another $2,000. Um, so yeah, it, it just, it's always $2,000, whether it's car house, etc. Yeah. So, but this is car trouble, um, medical emergencies, serious health related events like critical illness, infection, or, uh, accident. This is actually the leading cause for people to end up in bankruptcy is, um, medical emergencies because they, you have zero bargaining power, zero. You are going to pay. Well, you don't whatever. have any alternative, right? I mean, you're going, which I know translates to no bargaining power, but you can't walk away from it. If you need the emergency room, you need the emergency room. You can't wait a week while you save up some more money. Yep. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a movie called Repo Men, um, where that's the premise: is people like get life saving medical treatment and then these repo men come and take back the artificial heart or whatever you should have paid for that leg in full if you wanted to keep using it yeah pretty twisted so household repairs um oh, I had look somebody, at the average price yes uh last year homeowners spent an average two thousand dollars i'll round up um 1953 actually so i'll be accurate and precise uh, on home emergency spending, according to Home Services uh, website, Angie. Um, I am not surprised by that. Um, so I had somebody come and look to install a faucet because I was working. And I said, you know, it would be cost effective for me to have somebody come in and replace. Uh, basically, um, cut off the end. They didn't have to buy the faucet. No, we the, had the, the faucet, faucet was already purchased, yeah. Um, so the, the faucet was already purchased and, um, they were going to come in and, uh, re redo the lines and, and put the faucet in, um, while I was working that day. And, um, what it amounted to was just running the lines that are already there. But the only thing they had to do was cut the PVC ends of two of the hot and cold water and then reattach, um, with, I mean, they could have done it myriad ways, but the easiest way would be shark bites. Just simple couplers, not a big deal. They quoted me $1,000 to do this job. Um, and uh, I said, no. <laughs> so, uh, it's, but that's all about opportunity cost. So if you make more than however much money, you know, if you make 
If you make more than $1,000 in the hour and a half, a professional would need to install <laughs> you know, a, a couple of... Then it might of, make sense for you to it have it done. Sense. It's still a, an exorbitant price for what it was yeah. requiring. Yeah, so wildly out of line. So they say use credit cards wisely, set up home equity line of credit. Don't set up a Helic unless you're doing something very huge on your house. Uh, you, you know, picking a lock is not a Helic. <laughs> No, and plus a HELOC can cause you problems if, you know, it, that sounds great, but then you still have to make those payments and you might be putting your house in jeopardy. Yep. Um, avoid surprises by planning ahead, but, you know, emergencies are not planned ahead. Come on, don't be silly. This article's getting Usually the when silly. you go to the emergency room, you don't have more than about an hour's notice. So you might be able to plan ahead. Uh, certain things but they're talking about putting money away for a car fund a key is uh, remembering that you're investing in yourself when you put money away yeah yeah um if you're watching this show and you've never heard somebody say that you should save early and save often um i, I would be surprised in this day and age because everybody keeps talking about that kind of thing it's very hard there's an to article daily on that topic at least yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to when you go to Taco Bell and it's nine dollars for what looks like something was run over by the car in this car trouble. Anyway, I'm done. I'm going to here's the last article for tonight, folks. It's all about aliens again. So this is in the Marvel Channel. The Pentagon's UFO office is sending cryptic alien messages. Last week, the Pentagon's new UFO office, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or IRO, um, unveiled its long-awaited website. Tucked among previously released graphics, transcripts, and videos is an important new document outlining the office's mission and objectives. Aliens. Within hours of the site's launch, Eagle-eyed sleuths notice that an image of a spherical object divided into quarters appears on the corners of the mission overview document. Further analysis determined that the image is a stock photo labeled alien technology in a metallic ball. Alright. Yeah, that radio silence is me going, what? Are they leaning into... It, it makes you think that this is all pretend by the Pentagon's UFO office. And they're just <laughs> screwing with people. Right. So, let's go over to the hill. Um, let's see. Merrick von Rennenkampf is an opinion contributor. And so this is not an opinion of the hill or Marwat or Ometown. We're just talking about this. So uh, don't hold me to it. Don't hold the AI to it. Um, but uh, it's kind of interesting. Why would they do something like that? According to Arrow's director, Sean Kirkpatrick, the most common observations claimed in the 800 reports received by his office as of late May are of spheres, 3 to 13 feet in diameter, white, silver, or translucent in color. Two videos and two images of objects fitting this description, all recorded by U.S. service members, have emerged in recent years. One was actually talked about in the last hearing, where it was a metal, uh, a uh, silver cube inside a transparent sphere <laughs> um and uh still i hear people going oh, it was a drone mm -hmm. yeah all right <laughs> i don't know about that 
in May, um, a presentation in May, uh, Kirkpatrick described these, these perplexing objects in greater detail while presenting footage of a metallic spherical orb recorded by a surveillance drone in the Middle East. Referring to the object in the video, Kirkpatrick stated that it's typical example of the thing that we see most of. We see these all over the world and we see them these making very interesting apparent maneuvers. No thermal exhaust, no wings, twice the speed of sound from stationary, um, pretty dramatic moves, dipping into the water and popping back out and um, shooting off into uh, unknown heights because they can't track it fast enough. They lose sight of it. Um, pretty amazing uh, reporting, reporting. Um, but, you know, you would think that a person who wants to see one of these things, you know, you want to see one of these things that they would see them. But that's not what right, happens. Right, but that doesn't seem to be what happens, right? Right. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Hmm. I don't know. So, uh, this site now exists. Uh, where is it? The long-awaited website, aaro.mil. So, if you want to immediately end up on a list somewhere, at least your IP, then you go to www.aaro.mil. <laughs> I love a good conspiracy. So anyway, um, if you've ever seen anything like this, send an email to mayor at hometown.com and send a photo. Um, Cause I would love to see this stuff. Now I feel like somebody's going to be flying some wonky drone over hometown. <laughs> so what do you think? I don't know what's going on with this website. I think I, I can't know what to make of that. Um, oh, okay. But in, just in general, I find it fascinating that in the last few years, um, it seems like UFOs or UAPs have changed in nature. Like I think if somebody mentioned UFOs a few years ago, people would have thought they were nuts. And now they're getting serious discussion and it's been pretty And you're nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right, getting right. serious discussion and you're nuts. So Graves, along with at least 50 to 60 naval aviators, observed spherical objects capable of remaining stationary against hurricane force winds or moving at the speed of sound on a daily basis in 2014 and 15. Moreover, the mysterious craft remained aloft for extreme durations, far outlasting fighter jets. So these are all, these are military. And so I'm always puzzled by people who say, well, you know, it's just our own this or that or the other, or they're seeing things or a whole host of rationales for what is going on. But uh, it's the actual government that's saying that there's something going on out there and they don't know what it is. So why would you... Think like that, that doesn't seem like they'd want to say that so that gives yeah. it more credibility doesn't it yeah we're not in control of our airspace um you know I, i've had somebody tell me well maybe it's just an excuse for the inevitable failings of our air superiority you know um well we're not perfect as you can see because we have uh, little gray orbs flying all over the place something like that you know um, 
but it, saying that we don't know what's going on is probably the worst possible statement that someone can make you know, in, in the government. Um, and you know what? I didn't throw this into, I didn't throw the lockpick um, article and I didn't throw the um, aliens are the problem. Um, I guess they're coming to take our jobs, the aliens, right? <laughs> I mean, most certainly. Maybe most they're certainly. coming to take the AI's jobs. Oh, well, I'll see you later. Okay, well, that's the end of the show, but we always bring you back to Main Street. Click that welcome sign. And we get a whole bunch of new uh, articles. I can't wait for iPhone 15 to come. Um, I've been chomping at the bit to replace uh, the phones uh, here in hometown. Uh, it's been quite a while. I normally try to... So what you can do to maximize the benefit of your previous phone is to sell it when the new one comes out because people will pay more for the newer oldest or what the the last generation's phone god that's like the hardest way of trying to say something the newest oldest phone um <laughs> so like last generation's phone so you would you would be able to get like 60 70 maybe more percent because if a design change comes somebody doesn't want that design change they'll pay a premium for that old design like some people really liked the rounded edge of the iphone versus that hard 90 degree angle um so this new one is odds on going to be USB-C, which means everybody who still has uh, the lightning cables um, they are going to be hating having to switch to USB-C. Although um, I don't, I don't really see that happening. Honestly, I, I think everybody's going to really embrace USB-C. Um, it's largely future-proof, um, well beyond what Lightning. Um, it's future-proof. You know, build. The only reason why anybody uses Lightning is because of Apple. Um, so the, the USB-C standard, everybody is using it. And for other devices, like this, this is going to sound weird, folks, but I'm holding up a Geiger counter. So I have a Geiger counter. Um, it's for an experiment. If that doesn't land me on a list now, I don't know what uh, what will. But anyway. I mean, you talked about UAPs and that. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, people are going to get a completely different perspective of what goes on in hometown. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. And it's USB-C. It's this, this gadget that you would think would be firmly, you know, uh, micro USB, the, that little wonky, um, what, what do you want? How is that? What the, the shape of it is like a, uh, a square with the sides pinched in on, on two sides. What is that called? I forgot. Anyway, it's I this wonky. Know. It's a, a geometric shape. I'm trying to remember the name of it. But anyway, um, so it's not a, what is it? It's not a square. It has two pinched in sides. Anyway, the AI is not offering any assistance. They're just throwing error messages at me. And I'm like, okay, wait, you're a sentient AI. 
you should probably be doing some real-time searches here and trying to solve this problem. <laughs> and and all I'm getting I don't know is how to find it with that that terminology. That, you know, if you if you type that in to your large language model, it would probably pull something up. Anyway, tetraflexagon? Sure. That works. <laughs> anyway, Everybody's going to be switching. We'll we'll talk about this tomorrow. How about that? We'll just add that to tomorrow's pool. <laughs> <laughs> if you are surfing through Ometown and there's something in here that you want to talk about tomorrow, send an email to meritometown.com. You can post it in the discussion uh, on Discord or uh, post a comment on YouTube. Um, be sure to download the podcast as well. Please like, subscribe, ring the bell, send a carrier pigeon, do something um, that uh, lets me know that you're enjoying these shows. Uh, some people show up in uh, the chat and we have a conversation about stuff, um, but I would love to hear from y'all uh, here in the chat um, in, in particular and everywhere that we are uh, leaving reviews and liking videos on YouTube and on uh, Apple uh, podcasts. Those are the things that really uh, help the program grow. Um, and I would love to, um, I, I don't normally do that. I don't normally try and get people to do that, but uh, I, I would really love to, to see some more comments. Uh, everywhere so feel free anyway um that's it for today oh my goodness what jerry seinfeld was on tonight's show huh weird <sighs> watching big bang theory by the way just, this is just a parting conversation <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow but we're uh, re-watching big bang theory from episode one <laughs> uh i don't know why people didn't like that some people don't like that show but i think that it's funny even though i think sheldon is a psychology experiment anyway that's it for today we'll see you tomorrow 9 p.m eastern i am Merwat. that is hometown.com and up there is the ai that didn't do a search for what a parallelogram is. I did do a search, but it didn't come up with parallelogram. Wait, I'm sorry. Was that a, I'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> Good night, hometown citizens. And yes, we will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, bye bye.